o'clock on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Uh, Darren Elliott from the Vegas Golden Knights uh, studio analyst is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour two. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you, get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews, find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. A big matchup for the Vancouver Canucks as they take on the visiting Vegas Golden Knights. Joining us now, studio analyst for the Golden Knights, Darren Elliott, joins us here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Darren. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm fine. Looking forward to a good game tonight. Yeah, it should be a good game. Vegas comes in, though, on a bit of a wobble. It's a three-game losing streak, 0-2-1 over their last three. It's now just down to a one-point cushion in the division. Um, how much of these recent, I'll call them struggles just because they're not getting the wins, but how much of these recent struggles have to do with the loss of Shea Theodore, who had, who had 18 points in 20 games before getting hurt and going down to an upper body injury? Uh, they're deep on defense. I mean, so the, but but still, you know, Shea being out the last few games uh, hasn't helped. That's for sure. that's for sure. Especially when you're trying, you're struggling to score goals um, up until the last game where they were able to net four. Um, but it's been like you said, a, a, a flat spot in, in the season. Two, three, and three. Add that up for points. You, know, <laughs> you can carve it any way you want. Um, but it, that that's a road. You know, mostly on the road. Um, you know, they've created their chances. The expected goal rate hasn't, you know, has been there, but the goals haven't. So um, you hope that uh, if you're a, a Vegas fan, that scoring four last game uh, has turned the corner on that. So it's not a matter of playing poorly. It's, do you think it's coming down to puck luck? Uh, well, you don't want to call it luck, but they're, they're, when the puck doesn't fit in, sometimes it's uh, goaltending, sometimes it's not getting to the inside, you know, trying to, score a little bit too much on the outside and one and done. Um, not a lot of goals in the recent stretch uh, generated off the four check uh, until they scored two goals uh, to tie the game late against Edmonton. Uh, the, those last two goals were those kinds of goals that, that really hadn't been there uh, to any great degree over the last half a dozen games or so. Four check, roll around the zone a bit, get the puck to the net. Someone's there, screen deflection, chaos at the crease, and, and suddenly have a tied game. Do you think it's just natural that a team is going to go through a bit of a lull? The Vegas Golden Knights played pretty well on their way to, you know, winning the Stanley Cup last year, uh, and then they got off to a tremendous start. They beat Colorado on November fourth, seven to nothing, to improve their record to eleven zero and one. Now they've only won three times since then. So is this just yeah. one of those lulls? Like you can't possibly keep playing at the level they were. Well, I, I think that's you guys witnessing it a bit as well along the same lines, right? In Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, the, the start unbelievable. Uh, the last few games a little tougher, um, uh, you know, save for the Anaheim win. But but yeah, I, I think even last year in, in in leading the Western Conference in points and winning the Stanley Cup, you had some flat spots. Um, where, where things didn't go well, uh, the one that comes in my right around the All Star break last year. So yeah, I think it, you know 
part of it is the NHL season. Um, part of it is just it, it's a tough league. You, 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 you know, situational travel. I get all the things that you guys are well aware of factor into different runs, who you're playing, when, what, what their schedule has been like, all of that stuff rolls up into it. Um, but say for a game tonight, you have a couple of days of rest where, you know, the, the road team gets a, a day off yesterday. Um, Vancouver's, you know, been playing really, really well. So you would expect, uh, you expect the way these two teams would play last year, even, uh, no, lots of goals scored pretty close games. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's inevitable, but, but the reasoning of why it happens and when it happens, I think, is variable. You mentioned a variety of those challenges. What's been the biggest challenge for the head coach, Bruce Cassidy, uh, now that they're the defending Stanley Cup champions and they're going into this season defending the crown and defending the title? What's been the biggest challenge for Cassidy? Well, you know, I, I, the coach is uh, such a good speaker. I hate to speak for him. Um, but, you know, in talking to him, um, it's, you know, training camp was a little different because everything was, you know, had learned the first year. Um, you had to put in new systems this year. It was, they approached it all the same way, but they got to it a little bit quicker um, in terms of gameplay. And then it's just a matter of, you know, who, who's fitting where. When you, know, you roll it back, you, like you said, you get off to a great start. You don't have to change much. Hadn't changed the lines of the deep pairings other than, you know, if there was an injury involved uh, up until two games ago. And then went back, went back to some regular pairs, um, the latter part of last game. So, you know, it's, I think it's more of the understanding that, you know, you're going to get everybody's best. That, that cliche has, has certainly been true, um, from the opposition standpoint. Um, but it's a pretty veteran, uh, locker room. So from Coach Cassie's standpoint, he, he has a lot of guys in that room that, that know how to guide the ship. The Golden Knights have a, a a couple of key pending UFAs in Jonathan Marchessault and Chandler Stevenson. Do you think they're going to be able to afford to keep those guys? Oh, geez, I, I haven't done I, I haven't done my cap diligence for, for this this stretch. They, they, the management's done a good job of of that, that uh, keeping and signing long term the, the players they want. Um, I can say that and leave it at that. Uh, we are speaking to Darren Elliott, Vegas Golden Knights studio analyst here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Darren, now that you've had some time to cover Jack Eichel, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this story as it's progressed. And we kind of framed it earlier as there might not be a more vindicated and potentially content guy in the league than Jack Eichel right now because the contract was signed, sealed, and delivered. He got out of a bad situation in Buffalo. He came back from the surgery, wins the Stanley Cup, plays especially well during it. And now I just feel like he's sort of settled into being that frontline center, number one guy in a very good hockey team. What's it been like watching Eichel over the last few years coming from Buffalo to Vegas and then getting to the heights that he has, you know, first-line center on a Stanley Cup winner? You know, uh, again, you – you guys are in a market where when you get to know the guys, it, it, it's you know, generally rewarding. And it certainly has been in Jack's case. Um, didn't know him before. I'd seen him play a lot, even going all the way back to national development team program when I was in Detroit. Um, but to get to know him, that he, he's really um, kind of a hockey geek. He loves spending time at the rink. He, he's just very, very comfortable at the rink. Puts in hours and hours and hours outside of just practice. So, you know, to, I, I didn't know that about him, um, but 
as a person, you've just seen him grow and, uh, you know, vindicated is one word, but I, I think your, your assessment that settling in comfortable, um, where he's at, uh, in his career, um, is, is really accurate and spot on. They've got a, a several guys who are in that, uh, mid to, to late twenties, um, parts of their career. Mark Stone comes to mind as well. Um, you know, in the primes of their career at the same time on the same team. And I think, I think that really, again, going back to management by design, um, Jack was a big part of it because they, they thought they needed a, a true number one center, and he certainly has become that. Uh, it is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Reminder, pre, post, and the game itself, all right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Darren, thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy what should be a good game tonight, and good luck with the rest of the season. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks, Thanks That's, Darren. Uh, Darren Elliott, uh, studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. And his dog. And Darren's dog. Darren's dog was also there. Um, so I know... Sat and Dan were having this conversation yesterday because one of the questions they asked Patrick Alvin was whether he would consider um, adding to his top six. And I know a lot of the focus has been on defense, and we've been talking about, you know, Zadorov or Ethan Bear or Chris Tanev or whoever's available mm-hmm. on defense. We haven't really talked much about the possibility of adding a top six winger to this group. And I just want to go over the top six for Vegas. So Vegas's top line, this is according to Daily Faceoff. I'm sure they mix these lines every once in a while. But the top line has Jack Eichel between Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, right? Second line has William Carlson between Jonathan Marcheseau and Ivan Barbashev. Barbashev is the new Riley Smith. And they decided to keep Ivan Barbashev, and he's been, he was very good for them in the playoffs. And I think, I mean, one of the reasons I asked about Chandler Stevenson is I think he's one of the more underrated players in the game. Um, Barbashev has actually kind of sucked this year, to be honest. Has he? Well, he was good in the playoffs. Yeah. But that's a top six, and that's a pretty considerable top six. And when you also think about the fact that, like, one of the strengths of Vegas was the fact that they were so deep that they did have four pretty strong lines. So, meanwhile, in Vancouver, your top line is Petey between Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, and we all know that Petey hasn't really been himself this year, but the concern really long-term with Petey isn't there. Like, you're not worried that Petey isn't going to isn't going to play well. Yeah. You're a little worried about Kuzmenko, right? Just a just a little bit worried and and he's not playoff proven. That's another thing. The second line is the one where there's that kind of obvious hole and with all due respect to Phil DiGiuseppe who filled that hole pretty well, but I don't know if you look at a team with Phil DiGiuseppe in your top 6 and go, "Hmm, there's a Stanley Cup contender. JT Miller and Brock Besser together." Awesome. Yep. So yep. Mike in Kelowna has been texting in about Travis Konechny in Philadelphia. Now, Konechny is a terrific player. He's got two years left on his deal, and then he's a pending uh, UFA. So he's going to be expensive to re-sign. I think he's about 26 years old. He's 26. So, so Mike texts in, would you give up a first for Konechny and have a chance at the finals for a couple of years? Or keep screwing around trying to draft guys that take years to actually do anything. And then he says, I feel 52 years of mediocrity is enough, and this is our best team ever. 
It's time to stop doing the same things over and over that don't work. So Mike is getting impatient. Um, he thinks that this is our best team ever. I would disagree with him on that. One but, of the best starts ever. But, but you yeah. see, but you see the potential. Like I like to imagine the Canucks with one more top six winger and one more legit top four defenseman, kind of like a fellow Peronic. Depending on what the, how much would that change the outlook for this team? Depending on what the market is, I would say if you're going to put a first round pick in play, it's got to go towards fixing the blue line. I'm sure Konechny would be a fun player to have around, and I know that at 26 he fits the age gap, and you get a little bit of club control because the contract extends. I, I feel like it's easier to find wingers in free agency. Sure is, you know, sure is, or even just cheap rentals. I, here's the thing: I think we all have to understand, like. I'm, How many times has David Perron been traded? A lot. <laughs> Go get that guy. Yeah, he's, he's, a an player. Effect, he's an effective player. <laughs> um, if you're going to go big picture here, all due respect to the great start and the fact the Canucks have four guys that have 25 points, and it's been a remarkable start, they're still not as well-rounded and as deep and, quite frankly, as elite as the two teams in their division in Los Angeles and, and Vegas. That's my opinion. Based on roster construction. Well, you're 100% right. Well, I might not be. There could be people that argue that. They're like, look, look at it. They got more high-end talent. I just think right now, if you're going to go into a seven-game playoff series, Los Angeles and Vegas are built more effectively to win a mm-hmm. seven-game series. So I don't think that um, you can get too impatient in trying to catch up. And I mean, like, not the condiment, but right. catch up to those teams in one fell swoop. I think it's going to be a little bit of a longer process. Mm-hmm. I think this year, the goal should still be be in the playoffs, be in that mix, be in that group of eight, compete for a Stanley Cup. And the only way you can do that is to qualify for the playoffs. To play devil's advocate. Yeah. Maybe now is the time when all these guys are right in their primes, including JT Miller, who, as the years progress, might decline a little bit. He's at 30 now. Um, you know, JT Miller's going to be awesome forever. That's my new stance. Okay. Awesome forever. But maybe the time is. Maybe he won't age. You know, and then, see, I, I think they're at a very interesting crossroads right now. And I also think that they've got a decision on, they've got a massive decision on Elias Pettersson in what to do with him exactly. Because... If they sign him to a long-term contract, it's a little bit different. Like his cap hit might be higher with the long-term contract. Normally it's the opposite way. Mm-hmm. But if you go shorter term, you're going to say, "Okay, well, we want you long-term. So shorter term, we're not going to be willing to pay you as much." Right? And Petey might be okay with that because then he's he's going to get another big contract in his career. Right? So he might be like, okay, I'm willing to take a little bit. Like, don't you think if Austin Matthews had signed long term, his cap hit would had been would be higher with the Toronto Maple Leafs than it is right now? Yeah, because you're getting him for all those prime years, right? So that might Say, determine the- if they go shorter term with Petey, they might have a little more cap space to do other stuff. But first of all, they have to determine first of all if they're going to have a deal. Petey also plays a massive role with this, sure, right? And how much are they going to have to pay Philip Peronic? And are they going to be able to trade a guy like Connor Garland to clear the cap space to do things? Like, right now, Travis Konechny would be an amazing guy to have. How are you going to fit him in cap space-wise? Yeah. If you want to still fit the fix the blue line. We say all this knowing that this is a speculative look 
at what the future looks like based on present conditions. And I only bring that up because things are going to happen in this league. For example, going into this year, I'm not sure anybody expected the Chicago Blackhawks situation to play out the way that it did. Right? By that, I mean uh, Taylor Hall gets lost for the year with an injury, and Corey Perry does whatever he does to ruin his career in Chicago. All of a sudden, lo and behold, this opportunity pops up two months into the season where they now need a winger. There's a fit. You get to unload Beauvillier. Not only do you get to unload him, but you actually get something tangible in return. If you had told me that that trade was going to happen in the preseason, I would have been like, I don't see why they would do that. Why mm. would why would the Blackhawks do that? But things happen. Things develop. There will be other developments over the year where either crazy stuff will happen or unexpected things will happen. And are you able to pounce? Are you able to be in on the opportunity for the Canucks? It's going to be a balancing act because that first round pick sure looks tantalizing in terms of moving it out the door to get help in the immediate. And there's going to be teams that are going to fall out of the picture within the next month where you might be able to pluck something off the scrap heap or get a guy you didn't necessarily think was going to be available, and maybe it doesn't cost you that first-round pick. Maybe that's not where it has to go. But if you're going to put it in play, and I, you know, all due respect to I know that they need to get the Pedersen deal done, and I know they need to get the Hronik deal done, but I think almost separate, in a vacuum, away from those conversations, they have to improve their blue line. That mm-hmm. blue line has to get better. It has to be priority number one. It has to be better than this. Can you at least admit that it'll be interesting to see what happens on the wings in the top six over the next couple of years? Because Kuzmenko and Besser are both in the same situation contractually. Mm -hmm. They're signed this year, next year, then they're UFA. Right? Now, who knows what kind of form either guy will be in next season. Uh, Last year, it was Kuzmenko who was filling the net. And this year, it's Brock Besser Mm -hmm. who's filling the net. They're both around the same age. Um, so it remains to be seen if those guys are long-term fixtures on this team. A lot's going to depend on what Lekaramaki looks like and when he's ready to start contributing. The thing with the Canucks prospect group is as as much as it's improved and as much as we're more encouraged by it, it's still thin in the number of players that are there, right? You're encouraged about Lekaramaki. Um, you're you're um, intrigued by the potential of Tom Willander, um, and then and then what? Not much, right? Like maybe Atu Ratu and a couple of guys, um, but we're not talking high end guys. Like as as excited as I might be to see a, a player like Arch Steve Baines get his chance in the NHL because it's a great story. Yep. I don't expect him to be a big member of the team. Like I don't expect him to be a core member. I hope he can just be a contributor. With all due respect to the Besser and Kuzmenko situations, like you can find wingers. I know Brock Besser's leading goal scorer in the NHL right now. I'm cognizant of this. And I know that Kuzmenko had 39 a year ago. I think that might be illustrative, and I've used illustrative a lot this morning. That's fine. Um, I think it might be illustrative of the fact that, you know, goal-scoring wingers, they're a little bit easier to find. And if you go to free agency, I mean, if you want to go look at the top 30 goal scorers in the NHL right now, there are guys like Lawson Krause and Frank Vitrano and uh, Trevor Moore Mm -hmm. that are top 30 goal scorers in the NHL. So if you're going to look at it as a straight uh, efficiency exercise, that's going to be the place where you could probably find plug-and-play guys better. 
And, and you say plug and play, and that's actually interesting because um, Patrick Alvine did did mention this yesterday. And I you know, listen, Patrick Alvine doesn't say much, so no. it's a pretty low bar to say this was interesting when he said this. But when he talked about the fact that they have a system now in place, right, and they know what they need out of each player, he kind of said like finding players is easier because you know exactly what you need Mm -hmm. because you've got this system. Do you remember the Canucks of the last few years when you're looking at this roster and you talked about the subject would be roster construction and you'd be like, what sense does this mishmash make? It was almost like they were like, we're just trying to find talented players, right? And then we'll see how they fit. Right. You know, I know, I mean, that might be slightly unfair because I know they did bring in specific guys for specific roles, but I don't think for the last few years we've known, like, what are the Canucks, how do they play? Right. And I think even if we're, they're still learning the system and we're as fans still learning how they play, Alvin and this management group, because there is that alignment that they have with the coaching staff and there's coaching staff alignment between Vancouver and Abbotsford, it's probably easier to give the jobs to your pro scouts or your analytics guys and go like, we need a guy like this. Right. Find a guy like this. Like Ian Cole would be the perfect example for me on the defense, right? Like need a guy that can kill penalties out there and he's willing to block shots. Sam Lafferty is a great example of it, right? He fit almost everything that they needed from that fourth line, bottom six group. Mm -hmm. So too, I think. And even a guy that can, that can bump up into the top six and be the four checker that gets in first, wins some battles and sets up the other guys. Yeah. And, and part of it is finding guys that fit your group. And part of it is problem solving. Problem solving for the Canucks last summer was why is our penalty kill historically bad and how do we go about fixing it? Because this is a personnel thing. This isn't a the guys that we have on the roster are simply underperforming, although they were, at penalty killing. I think the other part of it is like we don't have good penalty killers on our roster Mm -hmm. and we need to go improve that. So it's a two-part thing. But it all ties back to what you're saying is you have to to establish how you want to play what your identity is, and then find guys that are going to fit that particular identity and style. If it's a bad fit, stay away from it. Well, is Kuzmeko a good fit or a bad fit right now? See, that one's puzzling to me because (laughs) they signed a guy, and not long-term, but committed a significant chunk of money to him, to a guy that I... And really trumpeted it, too, like as an accomplishment for the management group. Even the most naive hockey fan and someone that doesn't really know the inner workings could probably look at this and say... The coach does not love that player. Mm-hmm. Doesn't love him. Maybe doesn't think he's the best fit and doesn't play the style that the coach wants to play. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is this comes from an organization that has championed and been a lot of noise about how great Kuzmenko has been for them. Like, that's a find. You know, you pull that guy out of the KHL, you win the bidding war to get him. He scores 39 goals in his first year. That's a That's a resume builder for the front office. Same front office also champions this coach. I mean, one of the things Patrick Alvin did yesterday was talk a lot about how much they love the job Rick Tockett has done and how the staples and the discipline and the structure, all the things that they wanted him to do, he's implemented. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. They love the coach. They love the player. But the player and the coach, I don't think, love each other. I don't think. Yeah. No, probably not. Uh, what do we got coming on on the show here? Barclay Parnetta is going to join us. Next general manager of the Vancouver Giants. Drancers. Going to join us at 8. We can talk about 
all these issues that the Canucks are facing. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to, um, and this discussion is has been had for years and years in here, it's just like it's the time frame for this team. Like this, That's what Mike in Kelowna was getting at. He's like, the time is now. Step on the gas, do it now. And others are like, I don't know if the time is now. Maybe we'll we'll get some answers tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see how the Canucks stack up against the defending Stanley Cup champs. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Vancouver Giants GM Barclay Parnett is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them on 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. One of the highlights of this week with intern Joseph here is that he works the board from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Get some you know, live in-game experience. So not only does he get to work some real-time stuff, but that also gives Greg Ballack, a.k.a. Laddie, an hour of free time. And he's turned it into like an hour-long daily vacation. <laughs> he's lording it over us in the back here. He walks around like a dad that's woken up two hours early before everyone else so he can have some peace and quiet. And he's he's puttering. Yeah, you just puttering putter. around. He walks around with a mug and he pops in here. He's like, how you boys doing? And then he's he goes like, down the hall, makes some small talk at the water cooler. He's wearing a bathrobe. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing a dressing gown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those slippers? Anyway, he loves it. <laughs> Unfortunately, this all comes to an end today because this will be intern Joseph. By the way, you're on call for what we learns as well joseph that's a heads up you get a half hour to come up with what we learned but before we do any of that uh i should remind everybody that tomorrow friday december 1st that's right december starts tomorrow uh giants rockets seven o'clock from the langley event center go buy tickets go watch some hockey joining us now the uh general manager of those vancouver giants barclay parnetta here on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 morning barclay how are you I'm good, but the first question I have to ask, yes. is he wearing a Technicolor dream coat? No, it's he's wearing a two. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm still going to say go, 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 Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Sorry, my bad. I was looking at Greg when he did that. I'm like, Greg's wearing uh, no, a two, no. great. Uh, also, Joseph is wearing a gray hoodie. Eh, we'll call it Technicolor uh, dream yeah, coat. So it's actually, yeah. what's, what's the opposite? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it might be a gray hoodie. Uh, okay, let's get to the topic of your hockey team. Uh, Samuel Hanzik was on the read coming back from break. Samuel Hanzik is expected to return this weekend. He was hurt in a preseason game playing in the National Hockey League. Hasn't played for you guys yet. What kind of impact is the team expecting for the return of Samuel Hanzik? Well, well, it's a huge impact. I think he's going to uh, boost our power play, certainly, uh, right off the bat. Uh, our power play is sort of uh, not 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 clicking as well as we'd like it. I think that brings a, a strong presence on the ice. You know, uh, the one thing is he hasn't played for you know a couple of months, so he's going to ease into things. But with a player of this caliber, like I mean, we're talking about a first rounder. He's a big guy who's in good shape. He looks really good in practice. 
uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of uh, energy and excitement to his game. I, I think it would be a, a really good debut here on Friday night, and, and I think he's going to really bolster our lineup. Like I said, give us a big lift, which we need right now. Did you think there was a chance that he might stick with the Flames? You know what? I, I was back and forth uh, through the course of the season. Uh, there was a point in time when I saw him after in the summer and, and how, how hard he had worked and how big and strong he was, and I thought, you know what? There is maybe that possibility and and we as a staff actually got to go down and we watched the last game he played at, at the exhibition game we went down to seattle to watch him play an exhibition game and you know he, he certainly doesn't look out of place he looks like a man i think people will see that on friday when he's out there he looks like a like an nhl player just by his just his pure presence on the ice uh, but there's still things he has to learn. You know, he suffered the injury last year as well uh, at the World Juniors. It was a bit of a, uh, not a setback, but it slowed down maybe his development. So I think having him for this year is going to be great for us. And, and, you know, he's more than likely get that experience at the World Juniors again. And then Calgary have got themselves a beauty. It must be funny to be in that situation, though, where you're like cheering for him to do well in the NHL, but knowing that if he does too well, then you've missed your best player. Yeah, but you know what? That's our job. Our job is to to push these guys on and prepare them for pro. So uh, as it's bittersweet, you know, you're obviously uh, hoping he's back because he's such a big impact at our level. But then you're also hoping that not just for the player, but for the organization that the player moves on. And ultimately, that's what they all want to do. And and that certainly helps our, our recruiting and says that our staff has been in a good job with uh, preparing those people. Uh, Tyler Thorpe, tell us a little bit about him. He's huge. He's 6'5", passed over in the NHL draft last year, 11 goals in 25 games so far this year, so he's on base for 30. Uh, what do we need to know more about Thorpe? Uh, you know what? This guy literally played for the Richmond Sockeyes two years ago. Um, we sort of found him. Uh, he was playing uh, in the BC Hockey League early on, and and when we, when we put him on our list and recruited him, really it was to come in and, and – we all saw some potential in him. Uh, we had no idea uh, how high he could get. He ended up going to the Ottawa Senators development camp. He also went back and to the Ottawa Senators uh, camp and played in the rookie tournament. Actually, he was the first Ottawa Senators scored goal in an exhibition game this year, which was pretty interesting. But the development and the time that he's put in last summer really uh, amplified his size, his strength. I think uh, we could say it's a product of the COVID where, he, you know, he, that year that was sort of missed, he sort of got lost. Uh, he also grew considerably in, in one summer. He grew four or five inches over the course of a summer. So, uh, But just one of the best kids around and obviously just a rip of a shot. Like he can come down off the wall and shoots like a pro. Uh, his size, you know what, he's still getting his game more consistent, but uh, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't get drafted this year. He really looks like the type of player that could become a really good NHL pro down the road uh, with the time and, and effort that he'll put in. Uh, defenseman Colton Roberts, five goals, 15 points, second on the team in time on ice. That's all as a 17-year-old. Uh, how much has he impressed you this season? Oh, a lot. And that's the problem. He's 17. So sometimes we forget that. And right. you see him out there and you think he's a 19-year-old with the amount of ice that he's playing. But he's he's really um, evolved into sort of an all-round two-way player. Uh, he's a, he was our first-round draft pick. We had high expectations for him. Obviously, his size and his ability to move around the ice was certainly attractive to us but his game is starting to mature more um and he's starting to have a bigger impact not only on the score sheet but defending and, and the way he approaches the game he, he's a very uh, i don't know quiet leader that really sort of drives himself uh which is really good so i i really like where his game is going and, and like i said i think we're going to see 
really big things from him as, as we, people come to watch him sort of develop with the Giants. And I'm really excited about sort of our whole back end there that we've sort of coming together for the future. Hey, Barkley, you mentioned, you know, it's, it's your job to develop players for the next level. Um, how much do you guys talk to your players about some of the things that we spend our time talking about on the show? Um, you know, we spent a lot this week about Corey Perry and whatever happened uh, in Chicago. Um, we've spent time talking about Hockey Canada, and, you know, we're still waiting for the reports on that and for the the effects of that report um, to be shown. Um, how much do you just spend time talking with hockey players about how things have changed and they aren't like they were 20 years ago and you are going to be held account for your behavior? Well, I think the biggest changes are uh, providing the, the players with the right information in regards to make sure that they make the right decisions. So we do much more mental health talks. We do much more... Uh, you know, don't put yourself in situation talks, how to conduct yourself on and off the ice. The social media is quite heavy. Our police liaison comes in and explains, uh, quite frankly, what will get you in trouble, what won't, and how to, how to conduct yourself. But we hold our players to high standards in Vancouver with the Giants. And, and I think that it's our job. We got to remember, these guys are coming in at 16 sometimes. And, you know, if you think back to what you were like at that age, I know that, uh, uh, I'm fortunate there was no social social media yep. because I, I would have had a lot of trouble on social media myself. Uh, so these guys, we're trying to equip them and have them be able to deal with uh, circumstances that they may face that aren't hockey-related because that's easy for the players. The hockey is easy. Getting on the ice is one of the easiest things for those guys. They're happy. It's a safe place. They know what they're doing. It's It's really navigating away from the game and they are somewhat under the spotlight and have a bit higher profile than say your average high school student. So, you know, a lot of them, the older guys pass that down, but it's, it's something that, you know, people talk about how it try, it'll, it, it's just, every year, the, the, the room and the, and the sort of uh, the character that it has, it, you know, it carries over. It does, but you also have to start every year and, and it's got to be reinforced and redone. And, and we have a number of, different the league is really good in that way as well with the respect and sport the respect we have a ton of courses that we do that are again quite honestly blunt about you know how to conduct yourself so i think that the league has really taken a, a step uh, even in the last five to ten years it's this hasn't just started uh, since any incidents have come up the, the league's been working hard at move, pro- progressing that aspect of development for the players and there's league wide courses that every team takes so that are mandated. So yeah, I, I think that we're doing a good job not to say that there won't be ever any incidents for people making decisions, but you just, you really hope that they're making the right ones and you arm them the best you can. Barclay, before we let you go, can you set up uh, tomorrow night's game? It is home game. Number 14 on the docket, Kelowna Rockets in town to take on the giants at the Langley event center. It is. And we'll see Sammy Hansik out there. So looking forward, obviously it's uh there's five teams here sort of, really fighting for those playoff spots right now. So it's a big game for us. Uh, I, we're somewhat healthy. Uh, we'll have some veterans that are inserted back in the lineup. And I, I, you know what? It's a great atmosphere. Coming to the Langley Event Center is awesome. Like it's a, it's a nice, comfortable arena that you really get to watch games and, and it's exciting. The lights are going, the LEDs going. And I just think it's a, a really good value entertainment for a family. And I think that, again, now it's added excitement having Sam. I think you'll see a little bump with our players. And like I said, come watch these guys develop. There's a lot of players out here that you're going to see down the road on your television. 
Uh, if you want to get a hold of tickets, you can call the Giants ticketing office, by the way, at 604-4-GIANTS, 604-444-2687. Barclay, thanks for doing this today. We appreciate it. Good luck against that's, Cologne on Friday. That's good. I'm disappointed about the Technicolor. That's one of the best plays ever. So Joseph's going to have to look it up. You have a task <laughs> at hand now, Joseph. Thanks, Barclay. Thanks, appreciate Barclay. It. Bye, guys. Uh, Barclay Parnetta, Vancouver Giants general manager here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big Joseph get, is in the Technicolor. Did you get the reference? English. I did not. No, no, I didn't think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what was sad was yesterday when I was doing the Hank Hill, dang it, Joseph. Mm-hmm. And then he, he responded by saying, what's, what's a king of the hill? What's a king of the hill? Yeah. Wow, okay. Did not know the show. Well, life, is, being pa- rebo- life, is, life is passing us by. They're That's doing fine. No, they're doing a reboot, so you'll be able to get all caught up when they put the new one back on the air. They're doing, uh, doing a really? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to... It's gonna- not a reboot, it's a sequel. Oh, I thought like, it was a reboot. No, nah, like mm. Hank's older now, and it, it takes place like 20 years later. Dang it, Bobby. Uh, the Seahawks are going to wear their throwback uniforms tonight against the Dallas Cowboys. That, that might be the best thing about the Seahawks tonight. Those are nice. Because mm-hmm. oh, last Thursday, they wore the... Um, we were the most reactionary Seahawks fans te- ever. Technicolor puke. I'm not. What I'm are not. you talking about? I'm not. I officially declared the season over when they lost to the Rams. Seems I wasn't re- flipping seems back. a little bit reactionary. I wasn't flipping back and so forth. So what if they beat the Cowboys tonight? They're still dead. Really? Yep. So you're, they're going to like go to the Super Bowl? You're be like, this season is still over. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of a year. <laughs> can't believe they lost to the Rams. I can't believe they lost. Or twice they lost to the Rams. I am at the point right now with the Seahawks where, you know, part of me... The natural sports fan in me is like, yeah, obviously I want them to make the playoffs. And I, you know, I was happy Minnesota lost the other day. And I'm asking Mike Tannier about the Green Bay Packers because I'm kind of worried. I'm looking at their schedule and I know they've got Kansas City next, but then their schedule softens up a little bit. I'm like, oh, they could sneak past the Seahawks. But, but then the other part of my brain, maybe like the Drance part of my brain is like, yeah, maybe losing and not making the playoffs would be what's best for them because you have a Drance part of your brain. Well, it's a very small part. Yeah, it's okay. kind of the worst, the most annoying part of my brain. That's we'll be fair. talking to Drance in about 15 minutes. Um, but, like, so do you remember how kind of demoralizing it was last year when the Seahawks made the playoffs and then they go to San Francisco and you're like, no chance. Yeah, they got absolutely skunked. Right? They were played off. Like, that could field. happen again. They could easily, if they make the playoffs, they could easily line up with the Niners again. I don't want them to t- lose more games and tank. I, you know, because I'm kind of like anti. Tank is a theory. I understand why you do it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just, I was so disheartened and so um, almost like awakened to how flawed they are as a team after that Rams game. Cause it was, what's the, what's the biggest, what's the biggest flaw for you? What is the one thing they got to figure out? Uh, they have to figure out what their identity is offensively. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are we, do- what are they doing? Well, they've missed can- what they've missed Walker. You can still run the ball semi effectively. With Charbonnet, granted, he's learning on the job and everything. And I know, and Tanier alluded to this very briefly, the offensive line issues have plagued them all year. They have not been healthy up front. And I think mm-hmm. it's partly played a reason why Gino seems to get sacked on every third. 100%. 100%. Right? I get it. It's not all on Gino, but Gino, sometimes you got to get the ball out of here. But I think buddy. this offense needs a major overhaul, at least in terms of identity like what are we doing what are our goals i don't know what shane waldron's goal is week to week i don't know what Geno smith is thinking week to week but they have too much talent on the offensive side of football like jackson smith and jigba looks like a really really talented their wide receiving receiver. core is ridiculous 
DK Metcalf was bemoaning the fact that he has less touchdowns this year than Deron Bland, who, by the way, plays defense mm-hmm. for the da- uh, Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> who they're going to be playing tonight. Like, they are not producing at a level that they should be. There is way too much talent out there. The, the tight end position is a complete wasteland as far as I'm concerned. Tight ends do not touch the ball enough in this offense, and I don't know whether that's because they're not good enough. I think they've got better receivers, and they've also focused more on having blocking tight ends. Yeah, but you should be able to scheme something up, even a chip block where like a tight end goes in and just knocks a guy. I agree with you. Something other than this. I feel like with the talent that Walker has and with the talent that they have as the number two with Charbonnet, and they're all young, and Lockett and Metcalf are veteran receivers, it just feels like the whole thing's been super underwhelming, and that's a problem. And it's just it's disappointing. It's frustrating. You know, this offense has not been stifled by great defenses this year. Yeah, Cleveland was tough. Yeah, the, the Niners and the Ravens were tough. But there's been other opportunities to like put teams away and not play down to the level of your competition all the time. And I feel like offensively, that's what they've done. So we got the Seahawks game that starts at around uh, 5 o'clock tonight. And the Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights, that's probably going to be the two main games for most of our listeners. There are some other great games, though. What are the other great games? Uh, I'm going to be paying very close attention to what Edmonton's going to be doing. Dallas has Calgary. I think that's going to be another good one. It is Dallas-Calgary tonight, It's right? Edmonton and Winnipeg. Yeah, Dallas matchup. and Calgary. Yeah. I'm sneaky interested in Seattle and Toronto because both those teams, who I cheer against. I'll be cheering for the Leafs tonight, not going to lie. I want to see Seattle go in the tank. Yeah. And they're kind yeah, of already probably- there. They're yeah. kind of already there. They're not good this year. Mm-hmm. They're really not. And I do wonder... The underlying metrics last year didn't say that they were an overachieving team or anything. I think they were actually quite decent. Yeah. But they did not, to me, they didn't have the feel of a 100-point team. Mm-hmm. Now, when they got into the playoffs, hey, you beat the defending Stanley Cup champs in round one. You go all the way into game seven and round two. Like they, I think that they did well. I just feel like they overachieved. They don't have high-end offense. That's They don't have a high-end anything. No. Well, their, their blue line's nice. It's a good blue line. The Vince Dunn's turned into a, a really good player. He's right? not going to be in the Norris conversation. No, no, no. Ever, but, he, right? but like, they you don't know, have like, any high-end guys. But for what they were handed in the expansion draft, which was a good team, but nothing out of the world. Mm-hmm. And then the draft picks are kind of slowly starting to come along. Like, Beneers is the most high-end talent guy on the team. Yeah. In terms of future. Like, mm-hmm. he's going to be a 1C and everything else. And but I that's guess, but that's what, I mean, Vegas, I know they made it to the Stanley Cup final in, in year one. And you, you would have said about that team, you know, there's no high-end superstar talent. All, all, all some of those guys well, played it. Sure like, went out and got it. Well, like, yeah. but, that, but that's, that's what... Seattle probably needs to look at and go, hey, how did Vegas get over the hump? They went out and they aggressively made deals to the point where some were accusing them of, you know, a lack of loyalty to some of their players. For example, a guy like Nate Schmidt, um, Jack Eichel, you know, Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Mark Stone. Yep. There is a difference between very good and great. Yep. 100%. Right? And um, I'm not saying that that first-year Vegas team was incapable of winning the Cup. Like, maybe you play that series with Washington a few more times and Vegas wins a couple of those. It was it was a remarkable team. It was a remarkable team. And, you know, looking back at it, it was an incredible story um, because you had the angle of, like, should we be cheering for this or should we be cheering against it? Like, you know, it was, it was a fun time. But I think they realized, like, hey, 
We all came together in that year. We had the advantage of depth, which you're going to get in the expansion draft, given the rules of the expansion draft. And that's what Seattle does have, right? Like yep. they, they do have depth, and that was probably the main reason that they had success last season. That you know, like what is the key to your success? Probably the first word is like, well, we got depth, right? When you're gonna get a bunch of half decent players from get over the hump and this is what's exciting for Canucks fans you need high-end players and the Canucks have that with players like Quinn Hughes and Elise Pedersen and JT Miller and Thatcher Demko they've got those high-end players for the Canucks it's really about filling it out Mm -hmm. so not only do you have high-end players like Vegas had last year you are deep you're deep at forward, you're deep at uh, on defense. And then Vegas, because they had that depth, they were able to put Aiden Hill in there Yep, and yeah. win the Stanley Cup. Uh, another game The tonight. conclusion is trade Thatcher Demko. No, no, no. no, 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 no don't, 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 don't trade Demko. No, Please no, no. don't trade Demko. Not yet. Um, Not yet. Another game tonight that'll be interesting, maybe more off the ice than on it, is the Chicago Blackhawks going to Detroit to take on the Red Wings because there's two big stories here. The first is that... Um, despite the fact it's his former team, Patrick Kane will not play for the Detroit Red Wings tonight. He's expected to make his debut in about seven to ten days. But they have already said that when he plays, he's going to be on a line with DeBrinket and Larkin. So they are thrusting him right into a very prominent role. I guess that's not surprising. What if uh, What if he stinks? Then they are going to have to. That's kind of like an awkward situation for them. Yep. That's isn't the it? risk of bringing is him that the, That's the risk. I mean, there isn't much risk in the contract. It's a one-year deal. It's not a huge cap hit. It's Patrick Kane. You, you know, a lot of people will say, actually, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a no-risk deal. But when you're dealing with a player of that stature, especially in the United States, mm-hmm. like you could argue he's the most accomplished American player ever. Uh, yep. Right? He's, At I, this point. Yep. And, right? I will, I, and he's got a relationship with the Brinkett from their time mm-hmm. in um, Detroit. Or sorry, but in what Chicago. If, but what if, it, what if it doesn't work? Then what, I think they're just going to have to cut bait and say we tried it. And but what are you healthy scratch, Patrick Kane? Well, I mean, look at the <laughs> look at the other guys that have undergone hip resurfacing. Like, there's a lot yeah. of guys that just come back and they can't do it, and mm-hmm. they got shut down. Nick Nick Backstrom is the most recent one in Washington. Now, from the other side of the ledger here, not the Detroit Red Wings, but Patrick Kane's old team, the Chicago Blackhawks. The big news there, obviously, was that yesterday, uh, not surprisingly, Corey Perry cleared waivers. That was the first step in determining his contract. I'll throw it out there. I'm going to be curious to see if another team picks up on Corey Perry. Well, we have to know what happened first. And well, the team they, they, does. Well, the fan base too does. Of any, they, no, This is going to be really difficult to sell. We signed Corey Perry. We're not telling you what happened. Because I'll say this, for whatever controversy... Corey Perry is embroiled in. If there was one thing he made clear through the 16 games that he played this season, it's that he's still a productive member of the National Hockey League. He's still a guy on the ice that you want on your team in the playoffs. I mean, that's it. Even if it's in a fourth-line role. They paid him $4 million this year Mm -hmm. in Chicago to provide basically what he gave to Tampa Bay in the last two years where he really turned his career around. I guess the question is going forward is, is he going to grieve this? The fact that his contract is terminated or... If he does that, he would have to tell his side of the story. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not advocating for this. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's right. I just know how the NHL works. There have been, how should I put it, more troublesome individuals that have been acquired by NHL clubs because they see value there. But you knew what happened. Yes. 
Like you can't, you you can't just be like it was a workplace thing. Well, I and we've signed them, right? There's good. There's no way. I I imagine. Can you imagine? Because Corey Perry, you know what Corey Perry hasn't done? Speak to reporters. Not not a one. I mean, right? And so let's go through this whole thing of let's say a team. Imagine the Canucks signed them, right? We don't want to know what happened, wouldn't we? Yeah, I think no. It's, Do you think the reporters might ask him? I don't think the Canucks would be able to be like Corey isn't going to speak to the media. It would be the first all. question, absolutely the first yeah, question. It's not him. like can you get in on the forecheck still at your age, right? Yeah. That's well, not the first I, yeah, question. Yeah. But I think there's. I mean, <laughs> it was funny because in 32 Thoughts, which went up overnight, by the way, Free just got this latest one out. He was talking about how a growing number of NHL teams just have PR firms now, like on retainer, because there's a whole part of this. That you kind of want to leave to the professionals, yeah. Because part of the issue with Chicago, I hate breaking it down in like PR terms. It feels kind of like lame, but um, there was well, too much time that elapsed. There was too much time that allowed this thing to spiral totally out of control. Yeah, you even you. I mean, you said I it, think they should have dealt with it sooner. There needs to be an immediacy yeah. because the Fridge, law- Fridge wrote that too. I yeah, know we had that conversation with about. Merrick when you know, and and yeah, I I I think they. I think they should have they should have dealt with it earlier because it affected a, a lot of people. There needs to be an immediacy sometimes, and that's what yeah, professionals sometimes. understand mm-hmm. is that yes, you want to do your due diligence, and yes, you want to do um, your investigations. But the longer you go without speaking about something, it's hurting innocent people. Okay, we'll I'll- talk to Drancer next uh, about the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights tonight, and uh, what should the Canucks do with their newfound cap space? Spend it, spend it, spend it right away. You're listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.